This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the February 7th, 2023 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. No quick hitters, no moving on, just the Twitter files. Yesterday, I concentrated on the it. What is the it that the Twitter files revealed? Today, I will focus on my views of the it. As mentioned yesterday, my conclusion is that our betters inside of government and in the media spoke power to truth. Twitter was a marketplace of ideas voiced by mere mortals. Some of those mortals were not nice, particularly when cloaked in a bit of anonymity or just separated from the recipients of their missives by a wireless connection. Bad things were said, and with time, Twitter started censoring more, or maybe I should say moderating more. A natural progression. One that at times was driven by lawsuit concerns, governmental requirements, particularly the European Union, and just common decency. And moderating, I choose the word that word instead of censuring, speech is not something new. Twitter is often referred to as the digital town square. Some towns truly have town squares, and they are often cute, pleasant places to gather, have a coffee, chat, maybe an art show or a crafts fair on Saturday morning. Screaming, swearing, and demonstrating would not be appreciated at the actual town square and might be stopped by the authorities. And that sometimes led to lawsuits about free speech, etc. The balancing that Twitter had to do and also other social media companies is nothing new. And humans who do the moderating bring with them whatever biases they have. One might even say unconscious biases. A pro-choice person might think a person wearing a pro-life hat is offensive to women considering an abortion, but that, hey, never mind. Let's not get into policy issues today. My concern after reading the Twitter files is not about the biased nature of the company Twitter. I mean, they were biased, but I knew that, and I'm used to it. It is clear that most media companies move from being biased in favor of liberals to overtly and ridiculously biased in favor of liberals over the last 25 years. My concern stems from the concerted way the news organizations and social media companies combined with elements of our government spoke power to truth. Not argued their view, but rather suppressed the opposing views. That comes out rather clearly in the Twitter files, though maybe it will only be clear to half the population. My intent today is not to go too, to go heavy on examples. I covered a lot of that ground yesterday, but I will pull a few out. First, the Twitter files part seven by Michael Schellenberger started this way, quote, how the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of his laptop on October 14, 2020, end quote. And these two quotes from the Twitter Files Part 10 by David Zweig on how Twitter rigged the COVID debate. Quote, by censoring info that was true but inconvenient to U.S. government policy, by discrediting doctors and other experts who disagreed, by suppressing ordinary users, including some sharing the CDC's own data. End quote. And another quote. Internal files at Twitter that I viewed while on assignment for showed that both the Trump and Biden administrations directly pressed Twitter executives to moderate the platform's pandemic content according to their wishes, end quote. 
From time to time, you will hear brave people who spoke truth to power. Sometimes they were highly paid and much lauded, so I'm not sure how brave they were, but good for them. Other times they were disgruntled employees, but some, maybe many, saw a wrong and felt they had to share that wrong despite the damage it may do to themselves. What was the accuracy rate of those who, label, who were labeled speaking truth to power? I don't know. I suspect it would differ depending on whether they were in a category where they saw something they felt was wrong and just had to speak out, or if they were in a category that, where they were inclined towards a political narrative and found a way to support that narrative. But on its face, who can argue with speaking truth to power? Not me. But my takeaway from reading the Twitter files was key people in the government and key people in the media spoke power to truth. Seriously, a concerted effort was made to intimidate and suppress opposing views. And one probably needs to separate the, the political and the pragmatic examples. I already mentioned the Hunter Biden story, which was a political story. Another political story involved release the memo. The David Nunes memo is covered in part four of the Twitter files. David Nunes wrote a memo on the failings of the FISA warrant application to surveil Carter Page. The contents of the memo were ultimately verified. But some in the government, combined with many in the media, attacked the memo referring to the contents as a joke. They were speaking power to truth. How dare someone speak of something that we don't like? Truth be damned. And concurrent with the previous example was the use of a website that allegedly tracked Russian bots. This website seemed so good at finding Russian bots that they could find them under most rocks. They could find Russian bots when no one else could find them, almost like they wanted to find Russian bots. And then the media could use this summary information to claim we were run amok with Russian bots, even though we were not. But I do think pragmatic issues are a separate category for speaking power to truth. I noted as I read the Twitter files, I think on pandemic-related issues, that I started to get really ginned up. How dare they? But my lid did not blow off because I assume a whole group of people were doing what they thought was right. Think Dr. Fauci. I have been very critical of Dr. Fauci, but not early on. Early on, my view was, in Fauci, I trust. But somewhere around August of 2020, I started asking why there were no studies showing that masks work. And when they offered what was represented as, as studies, I found them laughable. As the months went by, I thought Fauci had transitioned from scientist to bureaucrat. But let's get back to a whole group of people trying to do what's right. A key in that phrase is a whole group of people. When dealing with an issue, I do think two heads are better than one. Three are better than two. But at some point, I don't think you get diminishing returns as you add more people. I think you get declining returns. 20 people are seldom better than three, particularly if the 20 are a loosely defined group with members sometimes attending or new people showing up, etc. Then you can get into some weird group dynamics. The Great Barrington Declaration was a result of a group of scientists questioning the official COVID position and deciding to share their thoughts in a public, well-thought-out, and polite way. I think many of the Great Barrington Declaration's views have stood the test of time. Some probably did not. I think Fauci the scientist 
would have brought them in for discussion. The two sides likely would have found a lot of common ground and would have talked about areas of disagreement. Both might have learned and we would have had a better COVID approach. But in my view, Fauci the bureaucrat ruled the day and dissenting opinion had to be crushed. The great Barrington Declaration spoke truth to power and our government with an assist from the media spoke power to truth. This was covered in the Twitter files. As I was writing the words I just spoke, I questioned my memory. Am I correct? So I did a quick internet search and found a number of articles that support my memory. The Daily Mail in the linked article had this email from Fauci's boss, Francis Collins, to Fauci. A subject, Great Barrington Declaration. High Tonian Cliff. See uh, the GBD, the Great Barrington Declaration.org, where they had the Great Barrington Declaration. This proposal from the three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seemed to be getting a lot of attention, and even a co signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? My read is there is no way they should have labeled the epidemiologist fringe. And to call for a quick and devastating published takedown is bully behavior. Later in the same day, Fauci and Collins traded editorials from Wired and from The Nation attacking views in the Great Barrington Declaration. As this episode is supposed to be about Twitter, I should mention that the Twitter file part two indicates that Twitter worked to suppress the views from the Great Barrington Declaration. In a healthy organization, and I'm talking the government now, I think someone might have spoken up and said, hey, these are smart people and maybe we should consider their op opinion. Or hey, they might be right. It's not like we have a lot of data supporting our positions. But I am betting that fictional person would have been ostracized, sidelined, or kicked out. There is huge pressure to go along. This was covered in the Abilene Paradox uh, conversation a week ago. I do wonder if this saga is more about a cautionary tale of government run amok, allegedly for the good of the people. And it reminds me of a Facebook meme that said, things like the Holocaust don't stem from disobedience, but from blind obedience. But is speaking power to truth new? Probably not. This episode is already longer than I intended, so I won't delve into more examples. I will say I think it is an age-old problem that feels like it has gotten worse. I was so proud of my turn of the phrase speaking power to truth. That was probably hubris. I did an internet search and found there is a book titled Speaking Power to Truth, Digital Discourse and the Public Intellectual, edited by Michael Karen and Richard Hawkins. Though in reading a summary of the book, they seemed to long for the days when intellectuals were revered and listened to rather than drowned out by the many. Maybe we should do a quality control check on how the thoughts of intellectuals survive the test of time. Another day, possibly. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you do not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.